Welcome to PetPod. As the nights start to draw in, I'm joined by the Oak Tree Equine team to talk about how to best prepare for winter and those long dark nights, wet weather and mud ahead. So today is all about the nights are drawing in, we've passed the equinox and so we're looking at longer nights and longer evenings and that gets really hard for horse owners. We start to have to think about winter, our favourite time of year. I'm joined by Judith, who is our team leader for equine, and Amy, who's our equine caseworker, and Kaz, who's our head of animal welfare. So, Judith, starting with you, winter, is it the time of year you look forward to? Oh, definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> definitely not. It's the hardest part of um, keeping horses. Um, there's so much to think about and so much to do, um, especially where the safety on the roads with the high vis and the dark nights even just walking to your field or bringing your horses back in from the field, you should be like high vis on and so you made like you're seen properly on the roads and um, even riding out like four o'clock in the afternoon it's starting to kind of get darker now and you're not seen properly on the road so yeah lots of high vis for yourself and the home. And obviously a lot of our horse owners work and actually it really does restrict the riding time so what could you do if you're a horse owner? And actually, the evenings are getting in. What can you do to try and make that get get that riding time and that exercise? Not necessarily hacking out on the road. Maybe doing more schooling work, even lunging and things like that, instead of putting yourself at risk when it's coming dusk on the road. Um, some livery yards, fantastic farm rides you can go on. Um... In fact, actually, let's be honest. Sorry, what I will say is that the ladies in this room went on a farm ride and they had a great time. So, what what is a farm ride? Um, you kind of it's a little bit like cross country, off road, and um, some of them have jumps and everything available. It is always important to wear high vis on those rides as well because if you do come off, you're probably easier to spot. <laughs> <laughs> and those you are during the day, aren't they? Those yeah. are just a weekend type thing you would do. Yeah, um, but some livery yards and um, they do have their own farm rides. So if you've got your horse in livery there, um, like Amy, yeah. <laughs> very lucky on her livery yard that she can exercise her horse on an evening and be quite safe yeah. off road. And it makes me think, and the other joy of winter is the rain and the wind and the mud. So thinking about, let's start with mud. That's an eternal nightmare for horse owners in terms of land poaching and just not having a slip through. And then obviously all the ailments that can be associated with mud. So Kaz, from a welfare perspective, what would you be looking for, be your first considerations when it comes to winter and fields and mud? Uh, I think it's just really important to um, keep on top of monitoring your horse, particularly those that are turned out uh, for long periods. Um, you need to make sure that you're cleaning them, the, the sort of their legs and feet regularly, um, keeping an eye out for mud fever and, and the like. And what does mud fever look like? So it can look like uh, scabs, small scabs all around um, on your horse's skin. Um, obviously, sometimes you, you need to be sure that it is actually scabs and not bits of dried mud <laughs> that are sticking. Uh, so really, my best advice is just stay on top of keeping them washed, clean, brushed, and uh, just keep an eye on them. And our feathered horses are particularly prone to these, aren't they? I mean, I'm, I'm, with my, my, my big cob, he's got great big stonking feathers and any feathered horses. So for these type of horses, Judith, how can we stop that issue becoming a big problem? Um, regular checks in the feathers, like a lot of um, cobs with feathers get problems with feather mites, so you need to make sure you're not mistaking like wood fever with feather mite. Um, pig oil is an absolutely fantastic product to use, um, grooming them through with that, keeping the feathers nice and soft. 
Should the... we say other products are available? Oh, in of course. Of <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, grooming them through and checking, even feeling the skin because it's hard with horses, a lot of other, um, if like horses with less hair on their legs, it's easier to kind of spot problems. So you need to kind of really go through those feathers and make sure you're checking them, grooming them through. If you are washing them off, try and towel dry them um, or leave them until the mud is slightly dry, then groom it off properly. Absolutely. And mud obviously exacerbates that. And we need to think about, our, uh, now is the time to start preparing our fields to try and minimise the risk of mud. So we can start to think about our gateways and putting down appropriate matting or any form of substrate that will prevent the poaching around those key areas. So you're looking at gate posts, gateways, you're looking at feeding areas, you're looking at water trough areas. And actually having a plan to rotate those so you don't end up with poaching in one area. Because obviously, when there's food, the horse follows. <laughs> um, and poaching can cause a huge problem. I know I, and I'm sure you guys have, spent far too much of your life stuck in sort of knee-deep mud going, I wish I'd thought about this before I walked through the gate. There's a story there, I <laughs> um, But it's really important for our horses' welfare as well, because obviously for some of our finer horses, you can get some issues, leg issues from that as well. Amy, you've obviously got keep finer horses yourself. Yeah. Um, so what do you do with your fields? Well, because I'm on the livery and I'm quite lucky we do have area to rotate our fields we're not stuck in one field the whole year so obviously we just monitor it and make sure that we are not turning out for a long period of time if it's a really wet day we'll keep our horses in checking our horses eggs when they come in making sure there's no heat in case they're twisted it's as simple as twisting the foot whilst they're galloping around having a great time yeah. so you've just got to every day checking the legs when they come in it's something that's unavoidable if they are going to mess about in the field really but you can make sure that you're giving them the best environment that they can possibly have with the resources you've got available. And absolutely, and we need to think about our nutrition as well, because our field and our poaching, our grass isn't going to be as good as it would be in spring and summer. So we need to think about how we're going to feed our horses over winter. So what sort of things would you be looking out for? Um, your older horses, um, with less grass being in the paddock and maybe with having poorer teeth, won't be able to graze properly so give them more um, food and making what better feeding plans for those um, so that would be like increasing the hard feed as well as the hay um, yeah or if the teeth are really poor maybe like a higher fiber diet and um, soaked food so it's easier for them to take in and um, also keep an eye on the weight you really want them to go into the beginning of winter um, looking well yeah. <laughs> than more poor and just kind of maybe Keep an eye on them throughout the winter months, wear tape, or if you've got facilities to wear your horse, it's a good idea to kind of maybe do a weekly check. It is, and one of the key things is actually not to keep it at a, at a really high weight throughout winter, because obviously as soon as you hit that spring grass, yeah. you're going to get a weight gain and you're going to get your laminitis. Horses are involved to carry, carry less body weight towards through the winter months and early spring, and actually we need to make sure that we're mimicking that and not overfeeding in winter, so we end up with a problem in spring where we're going to see some bigger issues. I was going to say that that can be a problem when they've got restricted turnout. Absolutely. Because they're not exercising as much. Um, we feel sorry for them because they're indoors, so they're just indoors eating, and that can lead to weight gain, obviously, if they're kept in over winter. Absolutely, and we also see that with rugs, is obviously by... You, by putting rugs on your horses, they're not having to use the energy to thermoregulate uh, to, to control their body temperature. Um, and therefore, actually, the weight loss doesn't happen that would be happening naturally. And therefore, again, that can exacerbate the problem in spring. 
where we've suddenly got this amazing grass coming through. Uh, <laughs> to rug or not to rug, that is the question. And it's going to be, it's, it's a big question. Um, depending on age and breed, really, um, as I was saying about the feed, um, the most vulnerable maybe needs help through the winter, like your aged ponies or mm. the breeds that don't hold a lot of weight. You might need mm. a rug. Um, depends on if that horse is in work, if it's been clipped, um, to what weight rug it needs. Your more native breeds um, and your cob types necessarily have got such a good coat, they don't need it. Um, and over rugging, um, you could end up with like sweating, what can look like rain scald along mm. the back. So, yeah, best to think about before you see that snazzy rug, what you really <laughs> want to put on your horse. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, what I, what I need to say to our listeners is that actually we have all been just talking, before we came on to record this podcast, we were talking about snazzy rugs because mine's got polar bears and Judith. Mine's got polka dots. Polka dots. <laughs> and what's yours got, Amy? Mine's got um, dogs on it with scarves on it. So therefore, do you have one as well? Flamingos. You've got flamingos. So therefore, okay, this is, this is a cafe thing, is that it is still a big fashion thing. However, we need to think about our horses at the centre of our decision making. We've got to bear in mind that horses between 5 and 25 degrees are fairly comfortable. They're designed to evolve that. And so after that, we need to start thinking, okay, this is where we need to think about. Um, and if in doubt, talk to your vet. Or contact an animal charity like Oakley will be willing to help and advise you um, to find the right method and right response for your horse. Um, as well, you said about your native breeds and your cobs, you've got your natural sheltering in the fields, the high hedges, so they will stand where they feel protected and the majority of your paddocks will have field shelters if they're out over winter. Um, so they've got that protection already. And they're very well adapted behaviourally to deal with that. I mean, how many times do you go to a field and you've got wind and rain and every bottom is facing that wind and rain direction? They, they are really well evolved to find the shelter um, and to use that. And as long as you've got adequate field shelter in your fields. And obviously, at Oak Tree, what, what are our plans? What do we do? Well, every paddock, we do have a shelter in our paddocks. Um, if, we, if there is a paddock we're using that hasn't got a shelter, we'll maybe change that paddock for the day and we'll make sure they go into a paddock where there is shelter or we have clay pens where if it is bad weather they're, they're standing in a clay pen and we can put them back into the stables if it comes heavy downpours so we kind of check our weather every morning and plan yeah. our day from there. <laughs> <laughs> you live in you live in Cumbria it will be raining. <laughs> <laughs> And it does affect how you obviously manage your horses in that respect. And again, when we start to get to the ice time and we have to think about water troughs, it's really important to make sure you get out the first thing in the morning to make sure, because your horse will need to be hydrated throughout. And also, you're talking 25 litres plus per day. Breaking ice, what's your best tip? Because I always, I, I, go, I go for the, oh, I need to break that, put the fist and then regret it because it instantly hurts. So don't do that. Please, if you're listening, please don't do that one. What's your, what's your top tip? Use a stone, really. Yeah. Break it with a stone. Um... And try and take the ice out as well because yeah. it's going to be frosty for a number of days and you've just left, left ice floating on top of the water. You end up with a major problem the next day when yeah. you come to try and break it. it... <laughs> Absolutely. Sorry, Cass, what do you do with your ice? Are you um, a stone girl too? Yeah, stone. Any, well, anything that's to hand really. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we have tried um, the, the old methods of putting a tennis ball in the ice, uh, in, in the water, for example, but it doesn't work. It doesn't work. There are a lot of old wives' tales yeah. out there. There really are a lot of myths. <laughs> it's going to freeze. So it's, yeah. it's making sure you're prepared and that you've got that solution and you're out early enough to be able to make sure that yeah. your horse still has access to water. So if it's like hard frost all day and it's freezing throughout mm -hmm. the day, you need to go back and check those 
troughs because it could be frozen over again by afternoon. Absolutely. And when we get to the icy weather and we're actually getting less grazing, as we said, and the, the, the natural forage isn't there, how do we get our horses to be able to mimic that behaviour? It's really important that they have the option to do those natural behaviours of grazing, foraging, and being able to pick the type of grass they want. So what sort of enrichment feeding can we do rather than just putting it in a bowl? What else can we do? So where it's appropriate, where you're allowed, um, outside in the paddocks themselves, you might want to put out treat balls, for example, um, for your horses to kick around and forage and get the treats out of. In the stables, um, one thing I do for my own horses is I'll make a, a carrot or carrot and parsnip kebab for them. So a bit of rope hanging down with the, the vegetables sort of pushed through it at, at various levels. Um, and if you can hang it in free space so it's swinging and it's Absolutely. hard to get it, then obviously it's going to last longer. So little things like that. Sometimes I'll put the hay net in a different different spots around the stable even, um, just so that they've got to move a little bit. Um, they've got to move and use their brain yeah, to work out how yeah. to feed. I mean, I've hung vegetables and different items from seedlings again to get the, yeah. get, the, get my horse's brain to really work <coughs> and think about that foraging material and hiding things around the stables yeah. for them to find and to be able to use their muscles and to be able to get that natural grazing behaviour um, and that sort of element. And what do we do with the fields here? And when you're feeding in the fields, you can put multiple hay piles out. So even if it's a group of three horses, you'd put more piles out so that they're moving from pile to pile. And they'll obviously as well, that eliminates if there's a dominant horse in the group as well, so that others will always get food. That way they won't get pushed off all the hay. Absolutely, and they travel around. They don't just go to their one pile. They move between yeah. them, don't they? So they're actually travelling. You want to see what the other ones having, even though it seems that's the same as what they're having. Because <laughs> uh, when you think about the range of a horse, you want to try and mimic that as much as possible, yeah. rather than having just one pile. Now, obviously, we're really lucky because obviously this is, these are our fields, and obviously these people in who, are, who aren't quite so lucky in certain livery yards or certain areas who have to follow rules. Actually, thinking about what is right for that environment, what can you do? Yeah. Recognising you may not always be able to do exactly what we said here but there are things that you can adapt into your horse's routine that will allow them to have that thinking time and in addition to rugging obviously there are other elements that horse owners traditionally do around this time of year which is clipping um, and we look at clipping and what why do we clip because obviously we're getting into cold weather and actually it seems kind of illogical in our heads maybe to think about taking your horse's hair off why do we do that so normally clipping is tends to be for more competition horses horses in hard work doesn't necessarily have to be a competition horse, but if you're riding your horse daily and they're getting a good amount of exercise, um, you're going to need to clip them out so that they're not getting sweaty and uncomfortable with the work. And it's a fact of if you're going for a ride in the morning and they get all sweaty, you're not going to then put a rug on to put them out. Whereas if they've been clipped out and you ride, they're not going to sweat up or they won't sweat up as much. And then you can put the rug out and they can go out for the day. You're not going to put a wet, sweaty horse a rug back on them. Absolutely. Put them in the field. But as well, it's not just horses in competitions, it's horses that might have like cushions and stuff like that. You can't um, forget about those needing that help. And obviously yeah. some of our listeners may not know about cushions, so what is cushings? Um cushions disease is um it's a disease what horses and ponies get and they tend to grow a thicker and a curly coat. It's more prone in elderly horses. Um, sometimes you might want to clip them out because they're if they're inside they can the, the coats can make them sweat so maybe just a, a clip out down the front and um, just help them um, also through the winter months you've got to be aware on the frosty weather with horses and ponies what are maybe prone to laminitis with the grass being frozen for a, a number of days the sugar's not getting released so you just have to keep an eye on 
your vulnerable laminitic pawnings through winter as well. Absolutely. And going back to the clipping side, so if we've got a clipped horse, we should be rubbing it, rubbing yeah, and considering what we do to rugs. So that's where we need to, again, get a little bit of a regime and seek advice if we need it. Yeah. You don't want to be over rubbing them even if they are thick. You need to keep looking at the temperature. And yes, if you put too many rugs on, they're not going to be comfortable. And it's just going to make more problems, even though they've not got that hair. You've got to make sure you do defensively. And you need to monitor your horse's temperature. And it, yeah, because they lose their temperature, Ears are not a good indicator of temperature of your horse. You need to be looking deep in that sort of yeah. armpit area um, to really, and, or deep into the uh, hair and the coat, just to really try and get what is your horse's core temperature. You need to be checking that regularly. Um, so it's really important to be monitoring yeah. regularly um, and your I'd horse temperature. If they're out, they're moving, so they're going to regulate the temperature easier. Whereas if they're in, they're going to be colder, which I think people forget because they think, oh, well, they're inside, so they're going to be warmer, which they're outside, but inside, yeah. <laughs> they're inside, inside where the sun is still, yeah. and it's yeah. not quite chilly, usually yeah. it's not well. wood, which isn't the warmest insulator. And with a decent draught. Yes. Or, or we let our heads, parts rule our heads and go, oh, he must be cold, yeah. and we'll have to him up and make him look all cosy. And isn't yeah. that, I mean, that is just completely, <laughs> well, I think at some point we've all thought it, and then we've got no heading gear. Heading <laughs> yeah. and, and get the right thought. But again, what we need to think about is obviously those horses that aren't rugged, um, they've got obviously the natural oils in their coat, so we need to make sure that we're not agreeing. We need to make sure that we are considering not damaging that coat because they need that to be able to see them through the winter months. Yeah, and with horses living out, you need to make sure you're not using the wrong brushes when you groom. If you are grooming them, don't be using your hard brushes that are going to strip out them oils. Use a soft brush if you are going to give them a little brush, or if it's just checking the legs even, just make sure you're not stripping them of what they need. So, this time of year, supplements, what should we be thinking of? Well, you should make sure that your horse has got constant access to a salt lick or a mineral lick, so that they can top up their own, they'll, they'll know when they need it basically. They always are searching for the nutrients that they're missing out of the grass or hay or whatever, so if you're providing them with that, then they can take it in when they need it or you can add it to the feeds salt into the feeds people do but i think personally i would just leave them with a lick yeah, so i think can, it's better for the, them to yeah, regulate it themselves rather yeah. than forcing them to have it when they might not need it or, like self-regulation is really important it allows yeah, that self-regulation that licking so after exercise what should we be doing uh, making sure your horse is cooled off properly um rubbing up properly like would you like your fleece type rugs to help um, take the moisture out the horse's coat also checking your horse over if you've been hacking out somewhere where maybe the roads have been gritted and um, checking that that rock salt isn't irritating your horse's legs um, and if it is like washing it off and make sure they're properly dried so it's not causing any problems and that kind of leads us quite nicely into health and safety mm. that wonderful conversation that everyone goes no not health and safety but in winter, it's a risk to you and your horse. Now, we consider the horse quite well. Actually, let's think about you at this point. So, in terms of how to operate around a yard, what would you be considering? Using your common sense and taking care of other people and yourself and the horse. Um, simple things like emptying your water bucket direct down the drain, not just <laughs> like spilling it over the yard to make a nice skating ring. Um, Have we all seen that happen? Yeah, and maybe like if you're checking the weather and see what's going on, maybe putting a little bit of salt down the, on the evening um, so you're ready for the next morning, um, wrapping your taps up so you're not coming into total frozen mm -hmm. equipment and things to one. use, 
and again when you're going into your paddocks and you're breaking troughs mm. where you put in that ice um you're not causing a hazard in front of the troughs if it's a little bit paddled um you're kind of making a little ice skating ring there and you could put things down like rubber matting or carpet just to help bind that mud um and stop making a big problem for your horses <laughs> and, and yourself and you and you completely yeah, it's falling on frosty ground is not pleasant it certainly is hard <laughs> it's certainly hard so as we're using hay in the supplementary feeding what do we need to be looking out for good quality hay not too dusty and um, if it is dusty and um, you may need to soak it for your horses indoors or if it's really bad frosty weather no horse wants to eat Icy cold hay, so you maybe have to rinse it for those yeah. few days. Yeah. Um, if you're putting it out in fields, let's say more piles out for a number of horses, you put in, make sure it's not dusty, mouldy, um, give it a good shake up to try and get that dust out if it is a little bit dusty. Yeah, it should have um, a really nice, sweet smell yeah. to it. You should open that bell and just go, oh, yeah, lovely. And um, that's what you're looking for. With feeding with haylage as well, you just have to be careful for the mould on the bales. Sometimes yeah. the outer layer, you get a bit of mould. Make sure it's not getting too hot in the middle. Yeah, you yeah. shouldn't really be feeding that to your horses and going round your bale, taking the outer off all the time. So I'm trying to get used to them like really a week so you don't, it ends up not going off. And you want it really fresh. So it's really, really important to make sure you know the product you're giving to your horse and making sure it's the right product for your horse because some will do really well on hay. Some will do really well on haylage, and haylage might be too rich for some horses who actually need hay. Yeah. And so it's actually just making sure that you're talking to people and actually getting the right advice for your horse and feeding the right products. A huge thank you to our guests today, Kaz, Judith and Amy, and to all our supporters and funders who help us to help animals. If you have any questions you'd like answered or areas you'd like us to cover in a future podcast, please do email them to us at info at Thanks so much for listening to PetPod. We hope you enjoyed it. See you next time.